Hi, everybody. Welcome to 1200XL. I'm John. I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Miner 2049er. Okay. Aaron, you ever done any mining in your life? I've been in coal mines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when I was young, young, my grandpa, who was mining at the time, took me into a working coal mine in Cabin Creek. Okay. And we visited up there. You don't want to work there. And then, of course, like most of the kids around here, I've been to the Beckley, West Virginia Exhibition coal mine. I'm sure you've been down here, yeah. too. So you come from a mining family. You got that right. On my mom's side of the family, my grandpa, uh, most of my uncles were all miners. Yeah, absolutely. You never had any great desire, though, to follow them down into the pits. Oh, God. Listen, do you know what black lung is, Boat? I do. Yeah. That right there was enough for me because mm. all of them had that. The yeah. black lung, that's that's for real. In case you don't know what that is, it's when you've mined a long time, that all that cold that stuff gets in your lungs and it jacks you up. Doesn't it? And it, I don't think there's a cure for it. You no. sort of live with it. Yeah, you, know? you live with it till you die. Yeah, it's not. Mining is a, oh, man, that's a tough one, isn't it? It's mm. amazing that my granddad lived as long as he did considering the coal mines and the paratrooper stuff and the prisoner war stuff. He was a tough, tough hombre. Yeah, yeah. Now, what do you consider, uh, you know, Miner 2049er, mining in the future? Um, it seems like the uh, the technology is not really advanced into the into the future. You're still you're still using the, the old pickaxe. Well, it's a little bit different you still got though. Your canteen. It's, it's, the, here's the difference, right? So, in coal mining, you're down there, you're literally car harvesting coal from the deep depths of the earth, right? Mm. In Miner 2049er, you're like basically picking up like toxic waste and stuff, right? So, it's more of a, a cleanup mission. This oh, is like, remember yeah. like the super fun site, Nitro and stuff, where they're cleaning up all the disastrous, hideous chemical mess that they Did left behind? you just behind. call it the super fun site? Super fund. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> In America, super fund is when you've got a, a massive chemical screw up, mm -hmm. and they've got this fund that they, they use to pay to clean this death hole up. We had, that was one on there. Yeah, so. we've had several of those. So. Yeah. <laughs> chemical chemical plants beat this state like they owned us because mm -hmm. they did, and then they walked away. And they walked not away. very nice. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about Miner Twenty Forty Nine or Aaron. This thing comes to us from way back in the foggy, misty days of nineteen eighty two. Not that foggy to me. <laughs> you still remember nineteen eighty two? I was eleven. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was one. Um, so. Uh, this comes to us from Big Five Software. Now, Big Five Software was basically the work of one man. Uh, one or two guys, but the main guy was Bill Hogue. Okay? Yeah. You know anything about Bill Hogue? This game, I know. <laughs> I've seen his name come up hundreds of times. I've avoided it. So, so yeah. Bill Hogue started out in high school as a, an employee for uh, Radio Shack. No kidding. Yeah. He worked in a Radio Shack. And he was constantly hounding the managers there to get more TRS-80 stuff. I'm with him because um, he was he was working, and there was just not this this Radio Shack wasn't getting a lot of action. Yeah, people, people were coming in, they were getting their free batteries, and, and you're out. Leaving. That's yeah. all we used to do at Radio Shack before you had the computer. That was it, or unless you were an electronics guy. Right, right. So anyway, uh, while he was sitting there, he would program uh, TRS-80 games. Okay. And, uh, and this he, would have been like the Model 1. This the is model like a Model 3, 1, yeah. Model 3, yeah. Uh, he did games like Supernova, Galaxy Invasion, Robot Attack. Uh, any of these ring a bell? Not immediately, no. A lot of these games have very sort of generic titles. This yeah. was during a time in computer games. When computer games were brand new and you could get away with that You could just name them whatever you want. You could say like Space Battle. Right. That, that meant something to somebody. Exactly. Yeah. And he would sell these games, you know, out of the back of magazines and stuff like that. One man show. 
uh, towards the end of the TRS-80 run, though, he did finally convince Radio Shack to put some of these uh, software titles on the shelves, and they were sold under these packs. It would be like Space Pack or like Adventure Pack. All right. They'd all be bundled Probably together. the old uh, Ziploc bag treatment. Right, yeah. right. That, that old shtick. So anyway, um, he was he wanted to do something more. You know, he was he was originally going to write Miter 2049er for the TRS-80 Model One, but it, it was discontinued in mid 1982. So he's like, well, I want to stay with the family. So he bought a Coco. Didn't like the Coco. He, oh. thought, he thought it was underpowered and, and not a good system. And he really wanted to write this thing for the Atari. He thought the Atari was the best thing going at the time. Um, and so uh, this was. Uh, there were a couple of firsts in this. The first was the first first was that this was the first uh, cartridge-based game for uh, Big Five software, and what this meant was uh, this was. It's incredible to me that this sort of thing happened even in the early days of computers. But what what this guy did was he found a supplier that could make the shells. He found a, you know a, a company that could make the the, the ROMs. He had ordered everything in bulk, and then they had a, an assembly guy that would just sit there in the back of his storefront and just assemble <laughs> all these carts. That's funny. You know, I owned the cart for this for the Atari. Did you? Yeah, and I and actually I don't have the box, but I got I got it with that mega deal a mm. couple years ago, and I also got the instructions for it. And it never occurred to me because I think as I recall the the, car, the uh, cartridge has like a gold foil cover on it. It never occurred to me that a guy sat in the back in a storeroom somewhere. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it is. That's wacky. And uh, this this was an expensive game when it first came out uh most cart games were only 8k yeah and this was a 16k game mm. so you're you're, you're it's, it's more hardware and this thing sold get this aaron 49.95 Ooh, and 82 and 82 that that's, is expensive that's 132 dollars wow wow so uh yeah the, the, but you know why did he do it why did he make it on cart the reason is simple you want to take a guess piracy exactly yeah he knew yeah. even then i suppose mm-hmm. yeah yeah so um anyway he decided to call this game um, Minor 2049er because of, do you know the, what is what is the significance here? Minor 2049er. Well, I know what Minor 49er right. is. Right, so explain that to the, the, the audience. Well, uh, from the gold rush era, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, that was what, uh, 1849, that's when all the miners went out to the west. Right. And, uh, that's, and that's where the uh, term Minor 49er comes from. And there's a song, uh, Clementine, right? Yeah. In a canyon, in a cavern, excavating for a mine, lived a miner, 49er, and his daughter, Clementine. Clementine yeah. yeah. So um, that is where he got the, the name from. Nothing really, but he wanted to make it in the future. So there you go. Hey, what, one thing, I would, just to backtrack for a split second, the, the, this wasn't Big Five's first game. Did, were the games that were published in the bags, were those big five, published under Big Five names? Those were published under Big Five, too. Uh, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, yeah and, but this was the first Atari. Okay, gotcha. The first Atari release. Uh, this game, however, was not only just on the Atari. <clears throat> uh, this thing no. was one of the first successful cross-platform licensing deals in history. Up until this point, there really wasn't a whole lot of official, above-board, cross-platform licensing. You had stuff that was under the table, a lot of clones and things. But basically, this guy said, okay, you got a computer, you can make Bounty Bob Strikes Back. Just give me a cut. And as a result, this thing was released on tons and tons and tons of systems. We'll talk about that later on in the show, though. Um, so... I want to tell you a little bit about the backstory All right. of, of, uh, of Minor 2049er. So this guy, your your main player, is Bounty Bob. Okay, He's a member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police on a mission to search through all of Nuclear Ned's abandoned uranium mines 
for the treacherous Yukon Johan. Bob must claim each section of the mine by running over it. So he's a hoser, is what you're saying? Yeah. But I never knew that. Born Did you know that? I would have thought that they. Well, maybe they. Maybe they discovered gold in in Canada in 1840. I'm not. I mean, this since he's you looking know, you, for you, uranium, you, I don't guess it matters. So. Yeah, Yukon Ho and all that. Uh, so. What uh, what is going on in this game, Aaron? You want to explain the sort of a gameplay of, of Minor 2049? A lot of people describe this as uh, uh, Pac-Man-esque. I can't, it's funny how you hear that, but it's I, I never really got the exact connection. I guess because you, as you roll, as, as Bounty Bob rolls across a platform, there are little um, lines in the platform, and as he goes across the platform of the floor, uh, they become solid. And the goal of the, the goal of each level is to basically solidify all the little lines basically to go everywhere on the level you have to touch everywhere you can't jump over areas because those don't count you've got to touch them mm-hmm. uh and uh some areas have a ton of platforms some don't some have elevators some don't uh and you're but you have to touch them all and are all the ones that are that are have lines on them and then along the way you will confront like mutants that if you touch they will kill you now uh there are uh, pickups along the way that render the mutants uh, uh, touchable for a few seconds. Killable. And, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, what, I don't know what. I don't know, does he kill them or just grab them? Who knows? Mm-hmm. But whenever he goes over them, they just disappear. Right. So I'm not. I never 100 knew what he was doing to them. But whatever he does, they're gone. That's it. Now, <laughs> there, you have a time limit. Yeah, of course. You, you've got a time limit, and uh, there are lots of things in these stages that that sort of help you along. Uh, there are transporters. Yes. That that work sort of like elevators. You've got hydraulic scaffolds. Jet speed floaters. So uh, it's more than just a your your run of the mill sort of. This game I feel like took the mechanics of a game like Jumpman. Yes. And uh, and and added another element to it. Yeah. Spite. Well, you know, Jumpman also had a collection <laughs> motif. You know, mm-hmm. but the the differences are really. It's funny when you play these games; they don't really remind me of each other too much. Despite the fact that you run around and jump off platforms, I never really made the connection because this is more of a. There is sort of a Pac-Man-y thing in this because you have to touch everything. You've got to as touch opposed everything. to Jumpman, where you could just sort of just go grab the little circles. Right, yeah. right. And so this this combines the collectible aspects, the um, you know the platforming aspects of a game like like Jumpman, but it adds this whole different mechanic of having to basically traverse the whole level. And cover it all. Is this the first game you can think of with that kind of mechanic, where you're you're covering the whole floor? You know, as you walk across something, it covers it up. You know, I I'm not gonna sit there and say it was. It's the first one I can remember. Yes, but I, I can't remember all. It's like you're right. It's a long time ago. But the one thing that this game does, and this and a Jumpman does it too. To be fair, they take a, a pretty basic concept and then they just expand on it. Uh, your concept in this game, you have to touch all the floor. Okay, well, uh, first level, you touch all the floor. The second level, okay, here are some slicky slides. Mm-hmm. If you touch, you fall, you'll fall down if you touch these. Okay, then they add moving platforms, then they add teleports, and they just expand upon that, and it's it's the simplicities there, right? And that's what makes it fun. You're not going to be wonder what you're supposed to do. But on the flip side... They, it gently ups the ante on all these levels, and that's what makes it fun. And then, the, and but of course, in a game like this, and a game like Jumpman, its control is king. Right. And the, one thing that they did in these games is they had ultimate control. They did a great job with the way he jumps. You understand pretty quickly that you that sometimes you have to you can't just jump the maximum every time. 
certain platforms are set in certain ways you to find screw that out you on over. The first level, yeah. That's right. And so, uh, but it's nothing that's too complicated, and it's all fair. Mm-hmm. It plays fair with you, and that's to me a game like this. That's a sort of a simple game uh, is fun because the gameplay goes beyond the simplicity of the game. Does that make any sense? Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. The the thing that attracts me to this game is that it's it reminds me so much of one of my favorite arcade games, and it's one that you hate. Yeah, City Connection. You're right. I don't I don't get it. Explain to me. Well, in City Connection, you do the exact same thing that you do in Bounty Bob. You have a series of platforms that you have to drive over and cover to complete a level. It's but it is. It's exactly the same as Bounty it's Bob. It's driving, except yeah. you're driving. Yeah. So um so I love that I love that but really. I think that Bounty Bob is a better game than City Connection. Okay. Um, Bounty Bob is great because it's a it's a score based challenge. Uh, you are under the gun with a time limit, so you can't just press for points indefinitely. You know, at some point you got to get the job. You done. really can't press for points at all, can you? Well, if yeah, you can, I, mean, I don't know how. Well, you sure can. I mean, you can get through each level without killing any of the enemies. Oh. Or you can take your time and you can kill all the enemies, but if you do that, then you're running the risk of running out of time. Right, but I mean, you can't, there's, it's not like, say, Donkey Kong, where there's going to be, the enemies don't regenerate. Oh, no, so, no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, you, no. You're it's, basically, you can't, you can only go so far. I mean, there's a maximum point level you're going to get, and then also, and so the timer really is what, you're right. I mean, you, and adding a time element to this, because it, it makes sense for the game, too. I mean, you know, it, it, the, the levels need a good time. Oh, if, yeah. You know. And you've, you're also, you got to think about, well, maybe you can work it into the theme. You're in a radioactive zone. Right. You can't spend too long in each place. Right, right, right. And so, you know, this is, to me, this is an example of um, just a, a totally, you know, 1982, we're still really early yeah. on here. And this is a very high-quality home video game experience that if you spruced up the graphics some would be not out of place at all in an arcade in 1982. Yeah, well, the, this here to me embodies a computer game, though, in, in, a, in a lot of, the, of that era. But, because there's there's more to it. I don't think this would actually work as, a, as an arcade game that well, in, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, you could do it. I don't know, maybe it's just because I've played it on the computers for so mm-hmm. long. But you really have to sit back and think. There's This isn't just like run as fast as you can. I mean, this is not Donkey Kong. No. This is, you have to be a little bit more cerebral when you mm-hmm. do this. I'm not I to, agree. Not to say you can be an idiot and play Donkey Kong. It's a different sort of thinking. But mm-hmm. you have to really plan your moves because when you're trying to get over, like for there are some areas where you have to deal with a mutant and you have to get to that mutant. That means you have to get a pickup to kill to, to pick kill the mutant, and you have to get time everything to get over to where he's at. Also, dealing with the slides, you have to do things in a certain order, yeah. or you're running out of time. I think for me, my biggest complaint about the game is the slides, because the area around the slides that you have to cover by walking over it, there's not a sharp delineation of when you're going to trigger the slide and when you're not. Well, I think that's part of the game, though. And, and once you play this thing for a while you know where you can and can't go. That doesn't mean you won't screw up, mm-hmm. which is, again, that's part of it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the slides, I mean, they are irritating, yeah. but they're not. that's what they're there for. Uh, I really like the transporters in this game. Yeah. They work differently than they do in a game like Keystone Capers, where you just push up and it's an elevator right. system. With this, you actually engage the keyboard. You hit a number on the keyboard, and it takes you to that level. Now, it's not... I like that on every system. I know that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure, like, the ColecoVision version of this, I think you just... Hit up and it go and you go up one. I don't think the number really? pad does. It. It's been a while since I played it, but I remember thinking this doesn't work the same way as the Atari oh, okay. one does. Interesting, interesting. Speaking of the ColecoVision version, uh, this game did come out on tons and tons and tons of systems. This thing came out on the Apple II, the 2600, the C64, 
the Super Cassette Vision. Yeah. The Thompson MO. Yeah. All of our favorites. Yeah. And there's also a Tiger LCD version of this game, and it's the only Tiger LCD game I've ever seen that actually has a clamshell design like the Game & Watch. Mm. And from what I can gather, this thing is incredibly rare. Yeah, I, I've never... I knew of it, but I've never... I didn't know anyone that had one that I remember, as I recall. Now, did you have a chance to check out this on any other systems besides this and the Coleco? Actually, I, well, I've played this on a number of systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's funny. I'd forgotten. I was watching a video the other day, and they'd mentioned that the Atari 2600s. I'd totally forgotten this ever got a port to the 2600. And it's, I mean, it's basic. real. Ba- I mean, the funny thing about this game, it's the game is basic graphically for every system. I mean, it ain't, it's not a looker. Uh, but uh, I don't know. For 1982, it's very colorful. Well, it's. I mean, there's a lot. It, one thing, it, the graphics belie the complexity of it because I mean, you there's there's a good enough graphics to tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. But the the Atari version is uh, the 2600 version is very basic. Uh, I never played the Apple version. I've played. I own the Coleco version as well, and I'd played it quite a bit. And again, it's funny how these games sort of run hand in hand. But also, they released Jumpman Junior for the Coleco Vision, and it would both have very similar results. Uh, uh, but for me personally, the the version of this thing I always come back to is the Atari version, and there's there are reasons for that that separate it from the other versions, and not just because I played it on here the most. I love the sound effects on this one. Oh, the, yeah. the noise that Bounty Bob makes when he runs around is not duplicated, unless you count the 5200 version, mm-hmm. which I've, I've always seen. I've never played. But, I mean, uh, uh, the, it's a, the shuffle he does, it's a, it's a cool sound. Mm-hmm. The explosions on this sound great. The, the visual explosion on the screen is bizarre. Mm-hmm. This game is full of some kind of really unusual visual things that happen all the way from the high score screen to it's just a lot of it does a lot of weird stuff that's unique to it uh, even the alarm that comes up when it's time to clear a level mm-hmm. i just the, the the computer just did a primo job with that and for everything else they try to come close to that some can get pretty close and some can yeah i, I took a look at this on uh, just a you know port comparison video on youtube and i can say that the apple II version is very weak compared to the other yeah, computer versions. it looks rough. Um, uh, the best ones are actually the Japanese computers. Uh, the, the stuff like the the, uh, the FM7 and uh, the, the Sharp PC with lots of numbers after it, one of those. Those games looked great. But they make Bob look, it's, they're, he's more cutesy. Mm-hmm. You know, didn't you didn't you agree with that? Well, he's he he's drawn differently, but yeah. it's not like he's like a chibi version of himself. No, no, he's I don't mean that. Smaller. But he just, I, well, I, again, I've played this one for so long. I, I saw videos. I watched a comparison video on those, and they looked they didn't look enough like I'm used to. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. And so, but yeah. there is there like one of the things that struck me is the amount of detail in the items in the rooms is a lot. They're they're full color items. Yeah. Um, the Game Boy version of this, it's funny, uh, suffers from the same uh, problem that Load Runner and several other like classic games did, where they zoom way in on Bounty Bob to give you more detail, but then they don't let you see the whole level at once. And I don't think I can play that game. It, like that's this. Like, it, I watched some of the Game Boy footage. It looked like a whole different type of game to yeah. me. It's not like it totally dissimilar from this in terms of the way. I mean, if you bought that to play this, I just don't think you're I think you're get a whole different game. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I didn't didn't look good to me, you know, at all. I didn't know there was a Game Boy. It's I was really actually surprised that there were so many different ports of it to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, and this was a huge success 
for uh, for for Big Five. This was the uh, this was the money maker. Um, there, there is a website out there if you just search Big Five Big Five software that Bill Hogue put together, and there's a scan of a check for one hundred thousand dollars on there. He just scanned the check. He's like, "This is how much money we were making back in the day." So at that price, it is a stunning that they sold so many given the expense. Well, I think at that at that point, people were you know because you couldn't pirate it, people shelled out. It's weird how that happens. It's weird because we did pirate it. So it must not, I don't know how long it went without being pirated. It went, it went for several years, actually. Really? It went for several years before it was pirated, before it was finally busted. Um, and he followed this up with um, with a sequel, of course, yep. Bounty Bob Strikes Back. It was a, a very similar to this game. Uh, just it had, it had some great flourishes that this game doesn't have. I, I always think about the high score screen. Yeah. Uh, you you operate a crane and you're picking letters yeah. off a thing. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. Super cool, but it's it's mostly the same game. Unfortunately, uh, they were never able to replicate the success of of uh, of Bounty Bob Strikes Back. They tried different things, but as time wore on, it was becoming more and more difficult to be a one man or two man show. Yeah. Uh, one of the interesting things, and so much of this uh, content comes from an interview that Kevin Savitz did with uh, with Bob on uh, the Antic podcast. Oh, yeah. And uh, one of the things that he talks about there is that he wanted the original Bounty Bob Strikes Back was going to be uh, Bob has escaped the mine and he's now a firefighter. And you've got to run all over this place and put out fires. And it was going to be in a Crystal Castle's isometric view. Oh really? Yeah. Was it going to be like not with Troy, not with the trackball and whatnot? He 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 doesn't really go into yeah. you know all the details, but he said basically they bit off more than they could chew with that view, with that viewpoint. So he did, they never that one never came. They, that one really, never came out, and they just decided to do Bounty Bob more so, of the same. So I have not I'm not nearly as familiar with the sequel. I mean, I have played it. Mm-hmm. What, what did you what did you think of it? I mean, obviously you like some of the first, but I mean, does it stack up well to you? As I a think sequel? so. I think that it's you know there's. There's nothing wrong with more of the same yeah. if it's done well yeah. and if they if they've corrected some of the things and you know I've played uh, quite a bit of Bounty Bob mostly because it was a super super rare title. Uh, yeah. Those those carts, if you can find them, go for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Really? Now. And so I I first played it just because I'd heard about how rare it was. Yeah. Uh, but it, but yeah, it's a good game. It's it, a good game. Uh, it, it is quite a, remarkable that a game that sold so well that the sequel would be so uh, uh, like. You know, a non-player that they're so rare. I, do they have a reason? Why do they think it didn't do that well? I mean, you know, I, I don't. Because I, I mean, it is uh, right up there. It's yeah. the same basic bear. I don't know if it was because by the time it came out, these sort of single-screen platformers had kind of you know had their day. Yeah. Um, what, do you remember what year it came out? I, I don't remember. I think it was several years later. Yeah, right? I think it came out in '84 or '85. I mean, the, the 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 landscape was changing rapidly at that point. Yeah, he got yeah. So yeah. I mean, you never know. And so, but anyway, this was the you know with with Big Five, it was one of these things where as they got bigger with with this game, you know, they rented out bigger and bigger space, and finally, when they couldn't pay their bills, they just sort of shut everything down. Oh man, and that's, that was the, that that's was a the real bummer, man. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but. Uh, but uh, Bill has done more stuff uh, lately. He's uh, put out a phone version of this game, um, and uh, I guess he's updating that uh, to make sure that it still works. He actually built some emulators, purpose-built emulators, that only play Bounty Bob Strikes Back that contain no Atari ROM code in them at all, so you can freely use them with a clear conscience. Hmm. And it's funny because he said uh, the bank switching technique that he used to protect uh, Minor 2049er and Bounty Bob he forgot how to break, 
And so he spent a couple weeks just trying to crack his own game. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, this thing reviewed very well. Uh, it won a 1984 Electronic Game of the Year. It was Creative Computing's 1984 Outstanding Software Award. And was also a hot list bestseller award. So this thing was 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 quite well received. How did you receive this when you first played it? Uh, I well, at first, I'm going to be honest with you. The, at first, I got really aggravated with the timer. I thought, boy, you know, I'm doing all this work. I'm doing my best just to get this thing cleared, and I'm running out of time at the last minute. But it really does make you play in a concentrated way. Yeah. You can't lollygag around in this game. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the timer was necessary for yeah. sure. I, that really adds to the, in, to the uh, intensity. You know, I was uh, as I was doing a little research for this, I came across a uh, I don't know when this was released, but there was a Windows version. It was called. Uh, did, did, do you have anything on that? Because it's, I looked at this and I was like, this looks awesome. I did, I Where's this been? Yeah, I didn't do any research on it, but I did watch the video, and man, it looks great. It was like more. It was like monitor. 2300 more or, or yeah, again or something again, like that. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, it's like there's a story mode where you, when you complete a level, you get a little cutscene, and it, the story also makes more sense because, like you said, it turns into like a cleanup operation yeah. where you're cleaning up the mine and stuff. And, I mean, I'm going to have to check this thing out. I'm hopeful that it's not like so many other Windows games where when Windows 10 came out, it broke compatibility because I would love to play this thing. Well, this... It did look good. I can't remember. Was it 2003? It was a long time 2006, ago. 2006, I think. And I, I, again, I'd never heard of this. I'm, and I love I'll, this. Uh, I'll freely admit this was right up there amongst my favorite games of all times on any machine. I love this one. And so, and the sequel was okay. Don't get mm -hmm. me wrong, but I mean, this is another one. I thought you can do something like you mentioned to kind of modernize it and keep the same because the, the actual puzzle stuff's fun. Right. You know. Uh, and uh, this looks promising, so maybe uh, to be continued. Maybe we'll mention it again somewhere down the line. We did get some uh, reviews on our Discord channel. If you are a patron of 1200XL, you can uh, participate in the fun over at Discord and leave us a review for the games that we play. Uh, Rushi says, uh, Donkey Kong meets City Connection in this innovative little platformer that holds up surprisingly well nearly 40 years later. Not the punishing masochistic experience of the later Manic Miner that it would inspire, it more closely skews toward Chucky Egg in terms of difficulty while providing significantly more content than the home versions of Donkey Kong at the time. My favorite little bit of flavor is the way your character exponentially gains mass during his descents, resulting in falls that aren't just fatal, but also <laughs> comically <laughs> mutilating, yes. a la Judge Doom at the end of Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I've only played the 1985 Super Cassette Vision version of this game in the past and was pleasantly surprised at how well the Atari 8-bit version compares graphically. I can see why it's so highly praised by the Atari community. Definitely worth a look-see if you've been wondering what's worth checking out on the system. It's, it's good that he mentioned Chucky Egg, I was because I wanted to bring that up. Uh, and and Manic Miner uh, again, that were they were I think they were both. I know Manic Miner was certainly inspired by this. And he's right. They took they took a system and turned it, well, especially my uh, manic miner. They turned made it far far more lethal, mm -hmm. you know. <laughs> and uh, it's it's a completely different type of game now. So you can sort of see how the basis of the game could be for minor twenty four nine. But the actual execution of the game is a whole different ball of wax. You know, we have a super cassette vision was sent to us by Rudy. If, if we could get it working, we'll yeah. be laughing. <laughs> so maybe one day we'll be able to check it out. Uh, Lord Soup says, I had Minor 2049er for the CPC. Great platforming fun. Which I didn't look at that one, I'd no, say. No, no. Uh, and finally, Chris Fold says, This is a game I've never played before. 
It reminds me of bits of Donkey Kong and Chucky Egg with a dash of Bagman for good measure. The graphics and sounds work well, even if the guy has a doofus look about him. <laughs> the instant death if you fall a pixel too far is infuriating, but it has nice death scenes. A solid 7.5 out of 10. We should mention it. It is funny because there's the explosion death when he hits up the radioactive, and then there's the when you fall too far, you either if you fall to the, if you're jumping to the side, he glides in. Lovely, and it just and just literally becomes he smooshes down to his hat. hat, And if he falls too far straight down, he just goes straight down into the hat. (laughs) It's great. Yeah, it's it's very clever. It makes it so you don't. I mean, you hate dying, but if you're gonna die, it might as well be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Um, And finally, Aaron, I looked this thing up on eBay. It's going for about forty bucks complete. So. (sighs) I mean, I wish I had the box for mine. Yeah. But again, what are you gonna do? I'm just, I'm happy I have it. I feel because this is a game that I mean. Everyone I knew that could have it did have it because it was very popular. It'll be interesting uh, to find out some of the other retail prices, original retail prices of these games when we can. Because I was shocked when I heard about that forty nine ninety five. That's that's, that's that is, crazy. That is huge. If you consider the stuff that we've, when we look at show uh, stuff from the UK, for example, when you're getting games for like you know six or seven or eight pound, mm-hmm. you know you know under ten dollars American, and then here comes this game for that's a ludicrous amount of money. Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Woof. All right. Well, um, we do have a Patreon set up for this page. Uh, if you go to Patreon.com/slash/1200XL, if you if you like the show, you want to help support it, well, we'd love to have you. It and it's all uh, you know the it's all under the Amigos Retro Gaming family of uh, podcasts. So if you, if you like our style and you're curious about what we have to say about the Amiga or the ZX Spectrum or uh, on you and, and Brent do ARG Presents, which uh, is a different system every week. If you like weird, obscure stuff, there's your show right there. <laughs> yeah. And of course, who could forget the Coco Show, all about the Tandy Color Computer. All of those shows, uh, if you go to anchor.fm slash Amigos Retro Gaming, you can subscribe to all of them in one feed or just search on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, speaking of podcatchers, uh, we're trying to get 1200XL out there on all of the uh, all the podcatchers. We've got almost all the big ones except for iTunes, and that is currently under review. So hopefully by next week we'll be on there too. Very good. Uh, I want to thank all the fine folks that are in the Twitch chat with us. Uh, we record uh, Fridays at 5.30 Eastern. If you'd ever like to join us at twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming, you can join the party with our super mod, Pixels at Dawn Gaming, 48K Rams here, Ricky DeRocher, uh, 10 Minute Amiga Retro Cast, Polyester Links, GoToGo Sub, Edvin Helland, uh, let's see. And Neil is in here. Yeah, Neil was, yeah. is here. Retro Man Cave, Wishbone. So uh, thank you guys so much for hanging out with us. Picard 2010, I'm sure, is around too. And Indeed. we also want to thank all of our Twitch subscribers. Uh, Still Adolescing, Bike Me, Chris Folds, Lasooner, Peeplo, Go to Go Sub, Real Joe the Zombie, Paku Take, Rushi MSX, Frodo NL, Buck Owens, Anguish Auteur, Retro Jerry, Mitsuyama, Brother Bill, The Slow Norris, Uber Scuba Diver, and G Vebke. Thanks, guys. If you like the show and you want to support us on Twitch, if you are an Amazon Prime subscriber, uh, you can uh, jump on there and uh, subscribe to our channel for free, and it helps. It helps benefit us. So. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, episode two. Uh, we plan on putting one of these out at least once a month, and as our schedule allows. And uh, it's just 
I'm so happy to, uh, to be able to play a system that I actually grew up playing. It's a different sort of scene because all the other shows... It finally happened. It finally happened. <laughs> it finally happened. All right, guys. Well, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.